My lord ruled all of Avernus. His will was absolute. His word was law. Zariel, the fallen angel, is the Archduke of Avernus, but it was not always this way. Lord Bell held the title once before, and shall do so again. Ariesha, Baroness, servant of Bell. Welcome, humble adventurers, to my realm of knowledge and mystery. Here, in my cursed library, are endless tomes and scrolls on the darkest and evilest foes in all the realms. Be they from Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, the many worlds of darkness, or any realm in between. Welcome to the dastardly decimal system. I am your caretaker of the corrupt, the librarian, Caster Kane. I offer all of my guests a spot of tea, and lucky for you, I have a fresh pot brewing. I find when dealing with the great evils of the realm, a nice rosemary tea pairs nicely. It helps increase the learning and lessen the anxiety. So take a sip, take a seat, and let us look at the evil you are currently researching. Ah, I see for your first trip to the library, you have chosen an evil with a similar title. Let us talk about the former, future, and true ruler of Avernus, Bell, Lord of the First. Within the nine layers of hell, none are as traditionally infernal as Avernus. The first layer. It is a blasted hellscape with rivers of lava, barren hills, and fireballs that dance across the sky. It is the primary battleground for the eternal blood war between devils and demons. It was a powerful, volatile place that required a leader to match. It required a warlord. Bell was a pit fiend. He stood 12 feet tall with massive bat-like wings, clawed extremities, and fangs that dripped a green smoking venom. His visage was brutal and bestial, but nonetheless infernal, warped by innumerable years of willful wickedness and hatred. He carried only a few possessions, a powerful ring that protected him, a belt that held the still screaming decapitated heads of angels and a curved flaming greatsword that was feared by fiends and celestials alike. Bell was a calculating sort, and one of the greatest military minds in the Nine Hells. He engaged in battles on his terms. He favored tactics that involved ambushes, double crosses, feints and counter feints, and backstabbing his enemies, all while anticipating the treacherous moves of his rivals, of which he had many. Yet despite all this, the aspect of Bell that was the most unsettling was his calm. Bell was not a slave to his emotions. He did not raise his voice, he did not yell. He was just eternally, unnervingly calm, scaring all who witnessed it. 
Bell's story is one of legends amongst the citizens of the Nine Hells, and the path that each devil wished to follow. Bell started as a mindless lemmer, the lowest caste of all devils, and worked his way up the many, many ranks of the diabolical hierarchy. It was only through skill, strength, and skullduggery that he was able to reach the rank of Pit Fiend. He gained command of three companies worth of devils that he led throughout Avernus, stopping invasions and destroying rebellions. With each demon plot he foiled, more claim was cast upon his name. He rose to even further prominence when he masterminded the assassination and replacement of his own Pit Fiend commander. Of all of his battles and tactics, though, none were so widely known as the legendary Four Cross, otherwise known as the Double Double Cross. On the grounds of Avernus, as fire rained down upon them, demons and devils met in combat. Bell and his troops slaughtered demons by the hundreds, ripping through their corrupted flesh with little strain. Suddenly, in the middle of battle, Bell ordered his devil troops to turn on their allies. Devil slaughtered devil as Bell revealed Hell's plans to the demon, earning their favor. Shortly after, he offered to rejoin the forces of Hell, only to turn on them once more in the midst of battle. For the next year, Bell and his forces fought alongside the demonic forces of Chaos, learning their tactics and studying their magics. As the Chaos army began a massive incursion, marching with numbers so great that an army that size has yet to be seen again, Bell revealed his master plan. He led the Chaos army into an ambush and watched as they were decimated. What little remained of the demons were forced to flee, their losses crippling the Chaos army for well over a decade. It has been said that no soul rules alone, and never is this more true than in Avernus. The Lord of the First, whomever it may be, rules only as long as they have the loyalty of the Dark Eight. This council of pit lords, who live on the ninth level, were the ruling council for Hell's armies and held the influence on all aspects of fiendish culture like some corrupted influencer. They were the force that made sure Hell's edicts matched the desires of the Archdevils. If any of the Archdevils wished to rule, they did so only with the support of the Dark Eight. So when the fallen angel Zarya lost favor, they turned to Bell. Zariel, the Archduchess of Avernus, was a fallen angel dedicated to ending the Blood War. At her side was Bell. He was the commander of the armies of Avernus and had faithfully served her for centuries. 
yet after she participated in a failed coup against Asmodeus, Zariel lost favor, and Bell saw his time to strike. With the support of the Dark Eight and several legions of her own forces, Bell turned on Zariel. He hunted her down across Avernus, and, using magics he had learned from the demons, imprisoned her beneath the Bronze Citadel, where he drained her of her magic to empower his own. Now supported by Asmodeus, Bell claimed power and became the Lord of the First. Bell was, and still is, an eternal realist. He knew that the demon forces were infinite, but the devils were not. He operated on slow, defensive advances to fend off the Chaos Army. He was a long-term thinker, and in his mind the most he could do was contain the endless hordes of the Abyss, even if victory only lasted but a day. Bell had no allies amongst the other Archdukes. They viewed him as a betrayer. Because of this, Bell was forced to find allies elsewhere. He would accept assistance from anyone and gave fair hearing to those who offered, knowing that his duties always came before grudges, emotions, and his sadistic pleasures. But he was a shrewd negotiator who, as one might expect, always kept his promises to the letter. Bell found allies with Belleth, Prince of the Imps, who built him a spy network. He recruited Alasus, the Butcher of Nisius, who experimented and bred monsters to outfit Bell's armies with mounts and living weapons. He also worked with Moloch, the former Grand Duke of Malbolge, but the weirdest of all of his allies was the goddess Tiamat. The Dragon Lady, who resided in Avernus, was too proud to call anyone her ally, yet somehow she had come to an agreement with Bell. Tiamat guarded the portal between Avernus and Dis and bolstered his army with the fearsome Abishai. But what did she ask for in return? Nobody knows. Bell was not one for worshippers. Unlike other archdukes, he lacked any sort of cult. Occasionally he was worshipped by warriors, ones Bell would recruit in order to defend his domain. Some of the most extreme paladins, desperate for victory in their quests, would deal with Bell, becoming one of his Hell Knights. Bell would provide riches, information, letters of safe passage, and other form of aid to these knights. Those who pledged themselves to Bell could call upon his magic and manifest a corrupt green blade that would dance along their sword, burning even those who were resistant to fire. 
His brand was a cold iron sword that glistened with the green hellfire. It was because of his support that these warriors, these Hell Knights, were the most ardent supporter of the Warlord of Avernus, and they still are. Bell knew that the Blood War existed beyond Avernus, and because of that, he always kept a close eye on the Material Plane. He would track demonic cults and organizations, and send his followers to deal with them. For a villager, it was a confusing and frightful sight when the Hell Knights arrived. To them, a paladin had arrived to save the day, but they summoned devils and green fire to do so. This paladin would not care of the damage they caused, as long as they were victorious for their master. A Hell Knight knew that Bell would not accept failure. As helpful as these actions were, Bell's malevolent means were often shunned just as much as the demons themselves. occurs within the Nine Hells of Bator without the express desire of Asmodeus. When Bell overthrew Zariel, he kept the position only because the Supreme Master of the Nine Hells allowed it. No one knew why. Asmodeus's whims and plans were always a complex secret that he kept to himself. But his words were undeniable law. So when Asmodeus told Bell that his tactics were inadequate in defending Avernus, and that he was reinstating Zariel as the Archduchess, Bell readily agreed. He returned to a supporting advisory role, but almost immediately he began planning to reclaim his throne. Bell makes his home inside an iron fortress carved out of a volcano, which to me is the most villainous lair I can think of. He now spends his days inside his bastion, overseeing the production of weapons and armor for the Blood War, while planning a way to permanently dispose of Zariel from the hierarchy, be it by destruction or even redemption. He has stumbled across Zariel's plans to remove Tiamat from Avernus by having the Cult of Dragons summon her free. But Bell actively seeks to undermine that. Chip by chip, Bell is working on Zariel's armor, for he knows the moment it shatters is the moment he returns once again as the rightful ruler of Avernus. What is it about evil that seems to raise one's IQ by several points? And why do we find a calm, calculating foe so frightening? Perhaps is it the fear that you have no choice in the matter? Is your next decision in battle one of your own making? 
Or are you simply following the path that was laid out for you, and now you are walking directly into a trap? Perhaps it has to deal with how that calm, calculating foe has gained the ability to ignore the emotional side of a decision. Emotions are what make us humanoid. They are what make us good people. Without them, could we become as cold and as calculating as a foe like Bell? I shudder to think. My library has in its walls legions of tomes on the one true Lord of the First, spanning every detail of his existence, from the unknown debt he owes to the sigil of one, to his psychological distrust of magic. Yet, when talking about Bell, there is one tidbit that I always like to add. You see, there is a magical artifact known as the Teeth of Dalvernar. This collection of magical teeth, while extremely gross, is a powerful artifact, and each tooth is associated with a different legend, like the Dracolich Dragotha or the Mighty Tarasque. So why do I bring this up? Because one of these teeth can be used to summon a green steel pit fiend in a female form. And the name of this tooth? The Daughters of Bell. It seems that we have run out of tea which means that our conversation must come to an end. You must return to your adventure, and I must return to taking care of this library, and the many, many chores that come with that. Thank you, though, for joining me in this chat, for joining me in my library. Come again for more stories and lore about the darkest villains from the darkest realms. This has been the Dastardly Decimal System, and once again, I am your librarian. Caster Kane. Travel well, adventurer, and remember, don't keep that book out too late. There are late fees. The Dastardly Decimal System can be found on Twitter at DD System Podcasts. That's Delta Delta System Podcast. This podcast was produced by Midnight Reading Audio, a division of Midnight Reading Publishing. The voice of Caster Kane is Larry Gent. Hi. Music was Evening of Chaos by Kevin MacLeod from Incompetech.com. It is licensed under the Creative Commons. Thank you. And have a wonderful, wonderful evening. <laughs>